Is this thing on? It's time. Live from ABL Studios in beautiful downtown Lambertville, New Jersey. It's the Twin Town Podcast. With me, your host, Tony Artur. How you guys doing? Welcome to the first episode of the podcast. The Twin Town Podcast. We're going to be celebrating the arts, culture, events, music, food, people, and uh, overall community here in uh, Lambertville, New Jersey and New Hope, Pennsylvania. That's a lot of ground to cover, so we'll take it one step at a time, kind of learning by doing here on the podcast on this cold and uh, gray Sunday here in Lambertville. Still some people walking around. Some people staring in the window at me, talking to myself. But that's not necessarily unusual. Um, People do that all the time. Because I talk to myself all the time. I love the sound of my, my own voice. And uh, you're going to be hearing a lot of it on this podcast, so I hope you like it too. Uh, But we'll have other voices. Not trying to be journalistic or anything. Just trying to have a little fun and uh, entertain you, maybe. I've really been enjoying learning how to use the software and the hardware that you need to make a podcast. And there are a lot of really different, unique podcasts out there. One of the things I find when I discover a podcast that is discussing a subject matter that I'm into uh, is that the, the audio quality frequently sucks. So I'm hoping to create a rich audio environment that we can play around in. That said, uh, the upcoming interview I have with our first guest, you know, went great, went really well. I think when the rubber met the road. I wasn't a hundred percent happy with uh, how I had the mic set up, but we'll uh, we'll fix that over time. You know, I'm hoping to do one podcast a month. In the meantime, why don't you sit back and relax and listen to this cool little interview we did with Tommy Lear? When I thought about doing this podcast, I knew that this next visitor was going to be. One of the first, if not the first guests, and and here he is today, everybody, uh, Mr. Tommy Lear. Mr. Tommy <laughs> Lear. How are you, Tom? Fine, Tony, except for my voice. <laughs> well, yeah, good thing we're only recording today, because uh, you yeah. won't, won't really need your voice. Okay. Tommy, we've known each other for uh, oh, about seven or eight years now, I guess. At least. We may have met before uh, we worked together at Zuby. It was but, probably uh, just in passing because I I really remember meeting you when when you came to Zuby. But you knew my wife. I knew your wife because I, I used to take a, a a spin class from her and an aerobics class. I think. Huh. So you've been At spending the, uh, a lot of club. a lot of time with my wife in very tight, revealing clothing. Mm-hmm. Great, that's great, Tom. Um, so Tom, we're going to talk a little bit today about um, well, Tony. I've known me for seven years. <laughs> anyway, Tom, just by way of introduction, you are a a local luminary. You've been a server and a bartender and witness to uh, modern New Hope history for uh, 
couple years. 45. 45 years? Yep. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about, we want to talk about when you first came to New Hope, but tell me a little bit about where you grew up and what the era was. I grew up in Levittown, Pennsylvania, when it was brand new in the 50s. And that was when I first came to New Hope, because my, my father was a commercial, well, he's an artist. And he had friends that lived in town and, and around town, like off of Aquatung Road. And we were so poor then. One year, our, our family vacation was a Saturday day trip to New Hope. Sure. You know, there's uh, some people that still do that. Uh-huh. And it was it was nice. It was a nice town. It was always a nice walking town. It wasn't quite as crowded then. And it was different. South Main Street was mostly residential. Bears Tavern was where Fran's Pub is now. And where Greenhouse is was Marky's Bar. And... From like the candy store below, pretty much everything was just residential. Okay. Havana was still a private home. So you had taverns and, and restaurants, and I'm guessing the focal point of the town was the Playhouse? Is that... The focal point, yeah, the, the Playhouse was, I think, one of the biggest draws to New Hope. There were also quite a few antique shops and like interesting clothing stores, if I remember correctly. So that's when you were a kid mm-hmm. and you're coming up with your parents. You know, I know you came of age sort of at the height of the, the 60s experience in the summer yep. of love. Yeah. So when did you first start coming into New Hope on your own uh, as, as, a, as a place to hang out uh, as, a, as a young adult, let's say? I, I guess when I was like 19, 20, by that time I had a car. And I would drive up to New Hope because I thought, oh, that's probably a pretty pla- you know, hip place to go because I remembered it from when I was younger. There were a lot of hippies hanging around here then. And when I first moved up here, I was living in Lahaska. I got a job at the Black Bass Hotel. Let's stop right there for a second. Who were some of the people we might have heard of or know that were up at the Black Bass at that time? Well, it was owned by Herbert Ward, and he was quite a character. Herbert came from a Detroit society, and uh, he really didn't have much to do with his family, probably because he was gay, and I don't think that that set very well with them, but he bought the Black Bass in 1949, and his family in Detroit owned the biggest luxury hotel in Detroit. Uh, Before Wells Fargo was Wells Fargo, it was Wells Ward. And their family owned a big paper company that was originally bought by Scott Paper, and they got huge amounts of stock in the sale, I think. So Herbert had his own money. Is that where, and I might have the error wrong, because, you know, Mrs. Schofield was... Mrs. Schofield was a hostess there. Was the hostess there, and uh, we often live by her wise words to this day. (laughs) Is that right? Yes, we do. Find out about Mrs. Schofield's words of wisdom in just a moment. This is the Twin Town Podcast. Won't you like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all the things? We're also uh, accepting advertisers. $100 an episode. And that can be uh, in the form of food. Back to the interview with Tommy Lear. Well, Mrs. Schofield lived down across from the 1740 house, and she would walk to work. She worked Wednesday evening and Saturday. 
Saturday, I would go pick her up in my car because the traffic was too busy. And I wanted to pick her up on Wednesday, but she said, no, that's my exercise. I want to walk. Well, she was almost blind and I was really worried about her. So I would walk down to her house to get her and then walk her up to the hotel because there's no sidewalk on River Road. And the first thing Schofield would do is sit in a chair, one of those old, one of those Windsor chairs in the lounge. And she'd light up a pell-mell and I'd get her a Canadian club on the rocks. And it do her she was at work. Herself. She's she, at work right yeah, now? Yeah, but she got there around 3 o'clock and the restaurant didn't open until 5. So you had plenty of time for a Canadian club and right, a so cigarette we, or two. We had a cocktail hour. We, uh, we would sit there and just shoot the breeze and I'd notice Schofield's glass was empty and I, if I didn't get it right away, she'd sort of jiggle the ice and, <clears throat> and I'd say, would you like another cocktail, Sco? And she'd say, well, you know what they say, there's no birds that can fly on one wing. <laughs> <laughs> and then she'd take a hit off of her pelmet. <laughs> Schofield was a real lady, though. She was a wonderful character. When did you get your first job in New Hope? My first job in New Hope was at Odette's. I, after I worked at the Black Bass, I went to the Mountainside Inn. The mountainside is that one just below Applejack's right, on the, right on when the left? Right, when you're coming into Point okay. Pleasant. Yeah, it's closed now. I don't ever remember that being open. No, it's, it's been closed for over 30 years. Well, with brief openings from time to time, but none of them lasted very long. Although in the 60s, that was the place to go. And that was in 1978. Well, anyway, I started working at that, and that was the year Havana and Franz Pub opened. Franz Pub opened in June, Havana opened in August. And we used to work doubles, so on our break, everybody would run up to Franz. Well, I wanted to go to Havana because I knew some of the bartenders there because I'd worked with them at other places. So we started going there. Havana was a great bar because it caught on with the locals right away. It was a nice bar. It had the copper top and the fan lights and the flags from the ceiling. It's configured much differently than it is today. It was a smaller much smaller, smaller place than it, than it much is Much smaller. But it caught on with the locals right away, and it had a great mix of people. You had all of the, you had the attorneys, the power legals, uh, shopkeepers, restaurant people, construction workers, uh, gay people, straight people, crazy people. <laughs> did did Jimmy and Jane uh, Farrako own Havana at first? Not at that time. When Havana first opened, the principals were Ronnie Lucaro and John Botello. Ronnie Lucaro was Joey Lucaro's brother. Joey and Stephanie had Mother's. And originally, they didn't want Havana to compete with Mother's lunch business. So Havana didn't open until 3 at, at that point. And it was um, sort of a casual menu. It wasn't real dinners. It was like they had like shrimp rolls and veggie sandwiches. And, but it, it was good food. Did they have music there uh, from the beginning? They did. There was a little stage in the dining room. And there's a piano on it. And John Bray and T.J. Barry used to play there a lot. John Bray was, um, he played the piano. John is Eve Short's son. She's a well-known entertainer around here, too. Although I think she's probably retired now. Mother's was the breakfast and lunch place. And Havana was a little more of the evening place. And right. they... Well, by that time, Mother's was doing breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I think when they first opened, it was a very small place. It, I know it was, and I think they just did breakfast and lunch. But then they got a liquor license. Because when I was coming up here as a young kid, and I would say 78 or 80 was around the first time I came to New Hope, 
my, my parents used to come here and mm. I'd always heard about New Hope, but Mother's was the place. Mother's was the place to go. Yes, this is G. Geritol Kane, Erica Kane, and it gives me great pleasure to be here this afternoon in a beautiful life with Screwball Tony. And the Moth Flies will be at the Raven on Sunday, February 17th. And you're listening to the Twin Town Podcast. That's again, the Twin Town Podcast. In the 70s, I guess that's when Nixon opened trade with China and Asian food became really popular in like gourmet magazine and uh, mothers sort of caught on to that. I mean, they didn't have an Asian menu, but they had a lot of Asian influence on their menu. And it was it was different and they weren't really it wasn't cheap, but it wasn't really expensive. It was a casual atmosphere, but they, they did a great business. So you're working at Odette's, and you're hanging out at Havana, and you're hanging out at Franz. It's the late 70s. You know, tell me a little bit about the character of the town at that point. New Hope has always been known as an artist town, and certainly as very friendly to the, to the gay community, and, right. and sort of, you know, uh, all about that. So was it very liberated? Was it fun? I mean, what, it you know... Was- it was fun. It was a lot of fun. There was, <laughs> <laughs> there was uh, a lot of young people in the town. We all had good jobs. I mean, if you, if you had a good restaurant job, we made really... I think if you compare it... Did you have a lot of disposable cash, Tom? We did. Okay. We did. I used to call it cash flow, though, because, you know, so you make so much a week, but... 250 of that was just cash flow because you went out to somebody else's bar after they came into your bar. Sure. It's very <laughs> So it was just like th- throwing the money around. But I mean, it was always good. If you got strapped, you could just stay out of the loop for a week and, you know, get yourself caught up on what you did and then you'd, you know, go back. But all the bartenders knew each other. If you had a problem at your bar and they left and they were going someplace else, we used to call the other bartenders. I carted a group at Havana one time and they said, I oh, will just go across the street to John and Peter's. So I called Ricky right away. <laughs> I'm describing him as, oh, yeah, here they come right now. <laughs> and then after that, I called the Playhouse Inn and Martins. <laughs> uh, Martins. Now, you, you worked at Martins. Is I did. that right? When did. did you work at Martins? I worked. I would fill in once in a while as a host or whatever. I started there in 19... 19- 89 to 1998. I okay, so we're jumping ahead a little bit. We don't want yeah. to jump too far ahead. And we don't want to say anything scandalous about uh, Martins because I work there. <laughs> we'll, we'll come up with a code. I, I can't either because it always gets back to her. <laughs> it always gets back to her. Yeah. And sometimes it gets back to her in a different way than I meant it or said it. It's just, I don't well, know. How. She must have, she, either she has me bugged. Or yeah, well, she. I'll tell you what. She people come in and say, "Is Martine here?" I say, "Martine is always here." Right. <laughs> well, you have microphones and cameras in there now. Do you have microphones? No, in there? no, no, not microphones. Oh shit! I hope not. Hey, no. Actually, I think somebody just said that's illegal. Yeah. Uh, let's check with our producer, Mark. Is that is that legal, Mark? Well, I work in an establishment, and they claim to have microphones on all the cameras. Well, if they tell you, then it's you know be must be legal. And it's probably legal if they tell you. New Jersey. Oh, New Jersey. This is yeah. New Jersey. Everyone's wearing a wire in New Jersey. 
So, um, Footloose and Fancy Free in the 70s and the 80s in, in New Hope. Cash in your pocket. Beautiful people. Yep. Uh, probably some party favors. Yep. Lots of party favors. Yeah. Lots of party. Life was... Life for me in the 80s was like being on vacation. I was a bartender in Havana. You know, you just partied with all your customers. And then when you got done work, we'd go party with our friends on our days off. And you go dancing maybe at the Prelude? We would go dancing all the time at the Prelude. The Prelude was a great place in its heyday. Yeah, I managed to get in there once or twice uh, before they before they closed up. So we know a lot of mutual people. I'm going to run down a little list and, and you give me your hot take, okay? Okay. We'll start out with... Uh, we'll start out with Mother Cavalucci. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Mother Cavalucci, uh, if you're listening and don't know, was the grand dame of New Hope drag queens. New Sergeant, Hope's most famous drag queen. Yeah, sergeant in in, uh, in in the Army in World War II and moved up here in the 50s. When did you first take note of Mother Cavalucci? I guess in the late 70s, early 80s. The rumor was that she floated down the river in a log in the 55 flood. And <laughs> came into town that way? She, well, she came into town around the mid-50s. She worked at the canal house. And she used to dress as a man half the time while at work. and Yeah, so they just said she came, you know, she floated down a log in the 55 flood. <laughs> That's how she came into town. And would Mother do... As far as the drag shows go, was it would Mother do weddings? Was that that was thing? later? That was later. That was that was after she couldn't work anymore, so she would get married. She would have a wedding, and people would bring her cash. Okay, so that's how she supported herself. She, she would wow. have. A, I didn't know that was an option. The annual weddings, okay. and it was a big social event. They were usually at by the pool with the Raven, and she would be all dolled out. Of course, okay. one thing I liked about Mother was. You always knew where you stood with her. If she yeah. liked you, you knew it. If she didn't like you, you knew that too. <laughs> but I like that in people. I'd rather have, you know, if you don't like me, I don't care if you let me know. I'd rather I'd rather know you didn't like me than, you know, you'd be a funny friend. Everyone likes you, Tom. Well, there's a few that have a few issues, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, she liked to get dressed up, so Halloween was always her favorite time. And, and back in the... In the 80s, the restaurants used to have Halloween parties, and they would arrange it so no, too many didn't have a party at the same night. So it would be like Odette's would have their party, and, and another restaurant would have their party on a Tuesday night and whatever. And then all the prize winners from the local restaurants would meet at Zadar's for the grand thing. Well, Joe always wore these extravagant costumes, and the Holiday Inn had their party, and they had a banquet room downstairs. And Cavalucci shows up. He's got this dress on. It's like a black and white dress, I think. The arms were so long, it took two young boys to carry them. <laughs> like Madonna on Frozen. <laughs> but he had his hair done up so high. And in the middle of his... On top of his head was a birdcage with a canary. <laughs> the, the hair, a live canary. And the hair was all done around it. <laughs> I guess uh, the PETA... A group wasn't there protesting that, uh, and they might have if they had known. They didn't know. What happened to the bird, Tom? I don't know. Okay. Probably died from hairspray. <laughs> 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 uh, and Cavalucci, used to, he's like the worst lip sinker. 
I remember seeing him at a, a show at the Raven. There was a, four of them, four drag queens, and they were all lip syncing and they had a little choreographed number. And every time they went right, Joe went left. And every time they went left, Joe went right. <laughs> and he's got the stuff so wrong. And finally, he just finally he just threw up his hands and went. <laughs> Hi, this is G, Geritol Kane, also Erica Kane, and you're listening to the Twin Town Podcast. Yes, that's the Twin Town Podcast with your host, Tony Artur. And coming up next is Tommy, who dishes on Ricky Crosby, also known as Ricky Harris. Now listen, get ready everyone, here comes Tommy. How about Ricky Crosby? Ricky, we just lost uh, yeah. last year. He's one of the first people I met as a you know as a young person in New Hope. I met him early always on also. Friend. He was Melissa then, and he used to come into Havana. And I thought he was a girl because he was very thin then. Beautiful. He he wore his own hair. He didn't. It wasn't all teased up like the drag queens, and his was just like parted in the middle, and you know. And his makeup was a little extreme, but I thought, well, he probably works at Queen of Sheba. Or, you know, like hairdressers have all the colors in their hair and mm-hmm. makeup people wear makeup because that's what they sell. So I just figured he worked at Queen of Sheba or someplace like that. What's Queen of Sheba? It was a makeup shop that was in New Hope on, I think it was on South Main Street oh, okay. back in the 70s. Cool. One day I was sitting at the bar at Havana and facing towards the dining room. Ricky was standing in the doorway between the bar and the dining room and he was like right in my line of vision I'm looking at him it's like that chick's got broad shoulders <laughs> <laughs> and I looked all the way down I said that chick's built like a man from behind <laughs> so I said to Jennifer my friend I said Jennifer that girl Melissa I said was she, was she born a girl or is that a role she grew into <laughs> Jen got hysterical because she just thought I already knew <laughs> oh, that's funny well, I've seen the pictures of Melissa and believe yeah. me you know, you would have to tell me that that wasn't. A uh, I know. So Ricky, uh, Ricky, Melissa worked at uh, John and Peters then. Yep. And did so all the way up until uh, I met him in the uh, in the early nineties. Right, he was still working at John and Peters in the nineties, and then he went to the cartwheel. And then Carlos. Carlos, and, yeah. You know, everywhere he went was the place. Yep. And he you had know, a following. He could yes, say the most did. outrageous things. I would be sitting at his bar sometimes. And st- Stuff would come out of his mouth, and I duck because I thought, "Oh, this big guy's going to jump right over the bar and pound him." Not only did they not do that, the next day they were back with their girlfriends for more. <laughs> I always would say, "Well, you know, Ricky works blue." And oh yeah, just, you know, but he could say things that nobody else could say and get away with. You're listening to the Twin Town Podcast. Coming up, the conclusion of our conversation with Tommy Lear. Tommy shares his thoughts on Zuby, Andre, and our time working together. This is the Twin Town Podcast. What about when we worked together? You had been at Zuby for a couple years already. Right. And our mutual friend, Andre. Boy, I miss him. Yeah. He was, he was, he was a, a character. A bon vivant. Yep. I can still uh, hear him now, you know. Where is Tom? <laughs> Tom! <laughs> Every once in a while, Marino still does that. <laughs> Where's Tom? 
least he knew my names. Everybody, the, the females were always just the girl. <laughs> yeah. Hello, girl. You wonderful girl. I was friends with him and, and a customer there for a number of years. Uh-huh. Times were tight. I really needed a job at a certain point. I didn't know it yet. Okay, but I I, I needed a job. I needed more money. And, right. Had you ever worked as a bartender? I had dabbled a little bit. I worked in kitchens for a long time. Right, I know. You you used to work at Judy's. But every time I would try to get a front-of-the-house gig, they would see that I had eight or ten years kitchen experience, and they Uh would just put me right in the kitchen. Right. Not to bleep that. But Andre said, uh, you know, he was talking about one of... I was a a bartender who would... uh, When they closed, they would close for a couple months, and she went out west chasing some guy, and... I don't know what to do. She, she chased a boy across the country. I have no bartender. And I said, I'll do it. And he said, no. <laughs> you can do it. But uh, I, I guess I twisted his arm a little bit. Maybe he thought I was going to keep hitting him up to borrow money. So he got me a job instead. <laughs> but we had fun there. Tom. We did. We worked great together. Yeah. Uh, that bar was the, that was the busiest that bar has been since I worked there. But we, yeah, we, we you, made quite a team, right? Well, they had a crowd that that were, were coming there before you started to work there, but and and they continued to come because I think you knew most of them anyway, and, and I knew most of them from there. And and but the bar would get really really busy. And remember, I used to stay after after I was done with my floor shift. That's right. I'd stay in bar back for yep. you. I mean, it was busy. We had people sitting out on the patio on the deck. The bar was full, standing room only, inside yep. and out. It was a lot of fun. Uh, you're still over there, right? I am. Now things have sort of, you know, we have uh, Laurent, who's uh, an old friend of Andre's, who, right. uh, you know, after a couple rocky years after Andre passed away, he seems to have found some some equilibrium and some of the some of the charm of the old of the old place. He ha- he's changed a lot, but it's good. It was time for that anyway. I think he's really the best one that's been there since Andre. I don't tell him that too often because no, his head's big enough already. Yeah, true. <laughs> but he really is. Well, Tom, I really uh, appreciate you being here today and telling us a little bit about what it was like to uh, come to New Hope for the first time and some of your experiences. And I am certain that we will have you back on the show before okay. too long okay. if, you'll, if you'll come back. I will. All I right. Will. Hopefully I'll sound better. Well, we can go through that transition too. Yeah, you know, I, I will fix it in the mix. All right, everybody. Tommy Lear. Let's hear it. Tommy Lear, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. That was pretty cool. Cool interview with Tommy Lear. He's a great storyteller. Fun to hang out with. I think next time we get together with Tom, we'll do it late at night with cocktails. Uh, the music on today's show and the beginning and ending that's actually uh, cut from my band Brother I called Last Train Home to Outer Space. All the other incidental music you're listening to, like that's underneath us now, are little beats that I wrote on, on my iPad. And uh, that's it. You know, that's kind of it. That was episode 101 of the Twin Town Podcast, a podcast celebrating the arts, culture, music, food, people, events, 
and community of New Hope and Lambertville. Until next time, I'm your host, Tony Artur. And remember, no bird can fly on one wing. Twin Town Podcast, production of A Beautiful Life Brands, LLC, production assistance from Mark Mullen, Melissa Del Grande. This is episode 101. See you next time. Be sure to join us next time on the Twin Town Podcast. We'll be dropping our next episode in about two weeks. Just before Valentine's Day, we're going to have romantic horoscope forecasts, some in-studio musical performances, and uh, a little comedy. All right. What was your question? What does podcast mean? What does it mean? Yeah. It's like um, it's like a radio show. That's what I thought. I'm Without a radio. Understood. And you're going to go on this weekend. Or this week coming up or something? I'm going to put it out there into the cold, indifferent universe. <laughs> I'm on a trip here, Missy. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking nut. So I understand you're back in the neighborhood. Yes, I wanted to tell you that I told Jennifer, but it did go through. Wait a minute, are we on tape? Oh, we're always on tape here. So we just, honey, we just have to put it down. That's fine. You're not gonna. No, I only take the good parts, the funny parts. Nobody else. The eighth place. Yeah. And uh, you got into the high rise. Yeah. It's the tallest building in town. It's yeah, like living exactly. in the Empire State Building.